Hey there, and welcome to the daily podcast where wisdom smacks us with kisses or love taps. I'm Michelle Spiva, a wisdom strengthening coach, your host, and practical priestess of wisdom. Join us daily to gain wisdom and mental strength as we tackle innovative thinking, address emotional and behavioral life traps, and yes, provide you with some practical how-tos to wrap it all up. So settle in or crank up the speed 2x, whatever gets your mental processes firing as we dive in. Stay tuned. Okay, so I didn't even realize that this opportunity was here. And thank you for the invite. I appreciate it. Well, it's because you've worked and you've earned it. So don't take this chance lightly. Make good use of it. Oh, I will. Hey, this is Michelle Spiva, your Practical Priestess of Wisdom. And I want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. So stick with me. Join me on the flip as we get into talking about some covert stuff when we talk about opening the magic door. I'll see you on the other side. All right, you made it. Thank you so much for joining me today. And this is a podcast that I've been wanting to do for a while. And the reason why I've been wanting to do it for a while is because I have been doing a lot of research on um, historical um, ways of the uh, craftsmen. Yes, all the way from the Masons to apprenticeships uh, from Michelangelo and others, great artisans. And there are it, it started coming to me over and over again that at the end of a lot of work, if you do the right things, there's a magic door that opens that other people will never see or even know it exists. So would you like to know how to trigger the things needed to open your magic door? I hope you're shaking your head. Yes. So if you are, stick with me. So let's get into it. All right. So the first thing I want to say is that this quote unquote magic door is one that um, I didn't realize was available until I started experiencing it um, from some of the, the things that I have done in my life. And when I started realizing that there's always another secret, there's always another off of the books benefit out there. I was like, wow. And they usually come when you least expect them, when you don't know what you're, you know, that you're working towards them and you get these uh, special dispensations and favor with people, groups, and individuals. And so I'm here to tell you that I know that I know that there are magic doors to be unlocked in your life. And Rumi is so cool. And I wanted to, I've I've mentioned this particular quote from Rumi before, but I want to say it again, because to me, it just fits so well with today. And this one says, yesterday I was clever. So I wanted to change the world. Today I am wise. So I'm changing myself. And when we look at what we're doing in this this life, we can look at a lot of different uh, things. And I'm going to be talking about um, 
I'm, I'm going to be talking about some precepts that were put out 26 years ago that have continued to work their way through the zeitgeist that I want to make mention of that are going to kind of go hand in hand with this. And so there's something about being clever and being wise. And to me, to be clever, it means that it lives within the family of wisdom. But to be clever without wisdom is something that will leave you wanting and will leave you incomplete. And so I never want this to be where we're only trying to find clever loopholes and shortcuts to try to get ahead um, instead of getting the grounding, that wisdom and the holistic understanding of what we're doing that will help us and others where they're always uh, win-win conversation. I mean, win-win conversations, Lord, win-win situations where everyone can benefit. And so with being clever, we we kind of get to this point where we want to change the world. And when you move into wisdom, you understand that to change the world, you change yourself. And to change yourself, you go in, you go in hard and you you search for and you don't give up until you are able to expose and open and unlock everything that's for you living um, the best and the most that you can with the time that you have. And so I've talked about uh, infinite and finite games over the last few days. And I I just kind of wanted to remind you that when we are looking at doing our best, we are engaged in the game of life. And as I've talked about infinite and finite games, if you haven't listened to those podcasts, let me just give you a quick little update again. So James Carsey came out with a book, Infinite and Finite Games. And infinite games are those which are the the goal of the game is just to keep it going as long as possible. And that's why the game of life is the ultimate infinite game, because we want to make sure that we continue to keep it going for as long as possible with the best quality as possible. Whereas a finite game is the one we're more familiar with when we talk about gaming, because it's going to usually have rules and a particular goal in mind and usually some type of winner or winners and its ultimate goal is to finish by being powerful uh, strategic clever successful and those types of things and you can look at it as athletic games or even war games of war uh that somebody gotta lose somebody gotta uh win you know kind of like that zero sum type of scenario that we're most familiar with, with winners and losers. And what I want to stress with regards to the infinite game, when you're talking about opening your magic door, is that you must understand that it requires and depends on your endurance level. It's based on the fact that your future depends on endurance. And the infinite game requires that you have strength to be able to power through, whereas uh, for endurance, whereas a a finite game is really more so based on thrusting power or or burst of power to be able to to overcome something. When you're doing something of endurance, you have to have sustaining strength to keep yourself moving and going so that you can outlast and 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 go for as long as possible. And so 
just understanding that part is going to help you to reframe how you look at your life so that you're not just clever trying to externally change something when you realize that cleverness is about a finite game where wisdom is about an infinite game. Okay, so I hope I've said that as well. You know, I'm hoping it sounded as well and outside of my head as it did inside of my head. And if you say, no, it didn't, I hear you. Stop it. <laughs> All right. So because of that, I'm gonna give you a summary of what I was trying to say. So what I was trying to say is this, is that when you are uh, engaged in living a, a life worth living, a higher calling, um, accessing things that are not readily um visible to the naked eye or opportunities that you don't even know are there until you've done something to unlock them, aka these magic doors, you you would do well to understand the different types of games we play in life and which ones are the ones that are going to open these magic doors for you. And so understanding that you have finite games, which have rules and goals, and somebody has to win and they have a terminal point and they require burst of power so that you can overcome obstacles to win and to gain the goal or the prize, as opposed to the infinite game that is all about enduring for as long as possible with as much high quality as possible. And it means that you're going to require sustaining strength. It means that you can't just have a burst of power you have to have strength to continuously power and endure because your future depends on your ability to endure. Okay. And so with that being said, understand that based on uh, what we're trying to do, we're trying to activate that infinite part of our gameplay of life to unlock and open these magic doors that will work as portals to help us get to and from different things. And they these doors don't open by sheer power. These doors open by your enduring to build up character traits and to build up uh, parts of yourself that you can't outsource, you can't trick your way into. You've just got to become masterful in doing them. Okay. And so there is, and, and I talked about Romy. Let me say his quote one more time because it's really uh, full of wisdom. And he said, yesterday I was clever, so I wanted to change the world. Today I'm wise, so I'm changing myself. And so the words in this quote that stand out with a lot of sparking power are clever yesterday, wise today. And so when we look at that and we look at the progression that you work towards just even getting to being clever. And when you get to cleverness, that means you've won something. You've won some type of finite victory game to get to that level of knowledge. But then the infinite game that keeps enduring and going moves you past that terminal point of being just clever to get you to being wise. And so that you'll be able to take what you learned from being clever and then synthesize it with all these different things to elevate it to a wisdom that supersedes human knowledge. And therefore, that's how you're able to start unlocking these magical doors and portals, if you will, that you didn't even realize existed if you're just trying to stay on the clever level, all right? And there is this um, African proverb that I absolutely love. 
And um, I want to say it right here. And um, the reason why I'm going to say it is because I'm, I'm getting ready to talk to you about a 26-year-old book that has uh, some enduring power that when people, when it first came out, it took took the world by storm and people were like, what is this kind of wizardry? <laughs> okay. So the African proverb goes like this. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And when I used to meditate on it, and it's not that I've, I've known about this proverb very long, but when I say, when I first encountered it, I, I used to meditate on it as I can't be a loner. I have to work with people and all of this other stuff. And that's well and good. And that's one layer. But then I, I realized that as I continue to meditate on it, there's layers to this thing. Things are coded and there's always another secret. And so I started realizing that I was like, that's kind of, um, reminds me of a book that has been around for a while. And sure enough, I went back and started looking at the tenets of the book and the African proverb took on another meaning. And that is that not only if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, go together. It doesn't just mean relationships on human to human level. It means understanding um, the totality of what we can uh, understand, meaning our relationships with our environment, with people, with other sentient beings, um, and 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 with our, our our mental and spiritual and emotional selves. And so, the book that I am making reference to is called "The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success." And it was written by an upstart Hindu spiritualist by the name of Deepak Chopra in 1994. And so it came out, the cover of it was nondescript. It was a small little book, only 118 pages. And people were like, what is this wizardry? Because it was talking about these um, Hinduist-based truths in a very... Americanized way, um, but it made them succinct and it put them into seven points. And so I'm going to go over them really quickly. And you've, you're probably very familiar with the book. And if not, you can go check it out and uh, see what is going what's going on with it. But in hindsight, looking at it, I was like, wow, okay, so this makes a little more sense um, why these quote unquote magic doors tend to open for us when we understand about having a more holistic understanding of what it takes to live our life and not just by powering through to be clever and to win some type of game, but to understand that this is about an infinite game that we must keep going with the best of our abilities, striving to get quality life each and every day. All right, so here are the seven spiritual laws and I'm gonna call them out and then I'll go back and tell you what each one of them means, okay? All right, so the seven spiritual laws. The first one is the law of potentiality. Uh, the next one is going to be the law of giving. The next one is the law of karma. The fourth one is the law of least effort. The fifth one is the law of intention and desire. The sixth one is the law of detachment. And the seventh one is the law of Dharma. Okay. So uh, the law of pure potentiality is when you take time to be silent, to just be, it means that you need to meditate for 30 minutes twice a day, silently witness the intelligence within every living thing and practice non-judgment. 
So this law of pure potentiality was for you to get to the point where you silence yourself and you bring yourself into the frequency of the great all the great mother Gaia, the world, the earth, and you get into time and in sync with things that supersede and surpass your human limitations of knowledge and cleverness, okay? The next law, second law, the law of giving. And it said today, bring whoever you encounter a gift, a compliment or a flower. Gratefully receive gifts. Keep wealth circulating by giving and receiving care, affection, appreciation, and love. So this law of giving was to get you back into the flow of seed time and harvest, sowing and reaping, giving and receiving, and yin and yang, which is ultimately the male and female and the intake and outtake of breath. And by the law of giving, he was showing you how everything has a rhythm to it. Everything has an in and an out, an up and a down. Basically, this law of giving is a outward show of the law of polarity where we have opposites attracting, okay? So then number three is the law of karma. And it says every action generates a force of energy that returns to us in like kind. Choosing actions that bring happiness and success to others ensures the flow of happiness and success to you. So basically what you put out, you get. What you sow, you reap, all right? Um, every action has a reaction. Okay. Um, uh, causation and, and correlation, all of those things. Okay. So then the fourth one is the law of least effort. It means to accept people, situations and events as they occur, take responsibility for your situation and for all events, uh, seen as problems, relinquish the need to defend your point of view. Okay. And then the fifth one is the law of intention and and desire. And this one is inherent in every intention and desire is the mechanics for its fulfillment. Make a list of desires. Trust that when things don't seem to go your way, there's a reason. Now, the sixth one you've probably heard quite often because it has become very popular over the years. And it's called the law of detachment. And this one says, allow yourself and others the freedom to be who they are. Do not force solutions. Allow solutions to uh, spontaneously emerge. Uncertainty is essential in your path to freedom. Okay. And then the seventh one is the law of Dharma. And it says we have taken manifestation in physical form to fulfill a purpose. And so when you look at these, and he called them the seven spiritual laws of success, when you look at them in totality together, what they do is they are all about elevating your um, awareness, elevating the oscillation that you oscillate at, elevating your uh, frequency, if you will. I was talking with someone today and we were talking about different frequencies and just because you can't see something doesn't mean it's there. And so we were talking, I was like, imagine a rock and then imagine a tortoise and then imagine a rabbit and then imagine a hummingbird. And I was like, would you agree that they all exist in this particular realm? They were like, yes. I was like, so the, the tortoise moves at a different frequency than a rock. And the reason why is because you can see the tortoise moving, but you can't see the rock moving, but they're both moving. 
because everything is energy changing into and out of form. It's just a whole bunch of stuff moving around and the lower and the slower it moves, the more solid it looks. So, okay, we got the rock and then we have the tortoise. And then if you look at a hare or, you know, a rabbit, a rabbit looks way faster than a tortoise, right? Yes. Okay. But then if you look at a hummingbird and if, if, if you actually find a hummingbird in mid-flight, a hummingbird, you can't see its wings. But does that mean that the hummingbird's wings are not there? No, it's just that they are moving way faster than a rabbit can jump. And so once you start moving into these frequencies that are higher and higher, they stop being visible on the lower levels. And so what ends up happening is, is when you start oscillating at a higher uh, level, you start becoming uh, invisible, excuse me, start start becoming invisible to the lower vibrations, to the lower uh, things that used to matter down there. And then you become visible to the things on the higher frequency, the higher level. Think about sounds when you hit a gong and depending on how slow those vibrations happen, the lower the tone. But then if you keep hitting higher and higher and higher, and if they the vibrations keep moving faster and faster, they move out of the range of human hearing. Now, your, your dogs can probably hear it and, and everything, but we don't have the capability. But does that mean that there's no sound? No, it just means that we can't perceive it because we're not on that bandwidth. We're not on that level or that frequency. And so when we bear in mind that there are doors that are on different realms, it takes us learning how to go through these iterations of the laws of success and then also working to hone ourselves into a person who is able to get singular of thought or to get to a mastery level to be able to walk through these doors. Because if you're at a lower vibration, if you're at a lower frequency, if you're at a rock, you can't be in the sky. You know, a rock stays on the ground, but a hummingbird can go up in the sky. So you have to be able to oscillate at a higher rate. And I hope this is making sense, you guys. And so with that, going back to me, uh, telling you about studying about apprenticeships and things. And what I learned was that just like you, uh, usually the amount of time it takes to move from be- being a freshman in college to being a graduated person with a master's degree, it's, it takes about seven years. Now, for most people, you can probably get through it with it in six years, depending on the type of mastery level you want to get. But when you want to specialize in, in, in um, one of my master's degrees, required a minimum of three years. And so that was my seven. And um, for the first time, the other two took a couple of years, but still it was usually going to be around that time. And when I I looked through that, and if um, if you look at how apprenticeships were set up, the first two years, the people who were apprenticing, all they did was 
be glorified errand boys and, and people and observers. They wouldn't even let them touch the tools uh, to do real work. They would let them touch the tools to clean them and to even practice on stuff uh, that was never going to be used in whatever craft. Uh, so if it was learning how to be a blacksmith, they would uh, learn how to whittle wood. They wouldn't work with the steel and the metals and the precious stuff first. And um, they would do the errands and do a lot of observing so that they could get familiar with um, that area. And then in moving after the, the second year, they started moving into the time when they started getting uh, the tactile experience of getting their hands dirty and getting in and learning how to do the stuff. And a lot of it was mimicry and um, copying. You copied what the master did. You just copied over and over again. It was kind of like Mr. Miyagi wax on, wax off, where you just did rep repetition and then they would tweak what you would do. And then in the last two years, you would become uh, a person in training to be able to start doing things as a surrogate of the master, where instead of having to just be his assistant on the site, he would allow you to work with him or with her in a particular um, area. Now, there was a, a difference between a master and just finishing up your seven years. After your seven years, you became a journeyman. And the journeyman is where a lot of the magic doors started to happen. Meaning that once you had learned how to, how to gather yourself. So remember we talked about these seven laws, learning to take time to be silent and just be and the law of giving to put yourself in cycle, the law, law of karma, understanding that if you put out good work, your reputation will grow and you will get, uh, asked and invited to do even more stuff, the law of intention and desire, meaning that um, when you uh, wanted to have things done, uh, you would put the desire out there and work towards it with the expectation that it would come. Understanding, you know, the laws of detachment to be yourself and to understand that uncertainty is essential in your path of freedom, meaning that by the time you got to your fourth, fifth and sixth year of going through your apprenticeship, you were starting to trust who you were. Uh, Miles Davis is noted as saying that it took him many years to be able to play like himself. Uh, or to play as he was, because it takes that amount of time to find your bearing, find your voice and move from the mimicry of others into who you really are. And and then that law of Dharma, that we are the manifestation in the physical form of what our purpose has called us to be. And so when these magic doors would open, they open specifically for that person. So it's not even like someone can walk through your door. But guess what? Your door never has to show up. That's right. You can live a whole life without your magic doors opening. So you might be saying, well, Michelle, what is a magic door? So for instance, a magic door can be that bit of serendipity, that bit of favor where you think it was a coincidence that you were at a place, the right place at the right time and that uh, opportunity came and you just so happened to be able to fulfill it. No, that's a magic door. Because when you do what it is to understand that first and foremost, you're doing the wisdom way. You're doing endurance. You are getting better every day knowing that 
there is no end in sight. You are understanding that it's going to take time to develop and practice the art of being you, the art of building up your character. And because you do this and you show up and you're diligent and consistent, and whether you realize you're working these spiritual laws of success or not, they still work on your behalf to help you. You're going to figure out that you are afforded opportunities that other people won't be afforded. Think about the person who grinds every day in the dark and no one is uh, uh, checking for them every day without, without fail, no matter whether they get great feedback, no feedback or, or no one's following them. They continue to do what it is they do. And then eventually somebody of great influence or repute stumbles across or some kind of way is led to seek out what they do only to find out that this person has a great wealth of uh, creation and, and, and um, success that has just been hidden because they've just been doing it and inking it out every day, whether anybody is watching or not. And so that person sees the integrity, the character, and they see the discipline and they can obviously see that this person has gone through an apprenticeship of their craft and who they are and what they do. And because they are ready, the door opens, the favor opens for them to get a wide platform because the universe has deemed this person emotionally stable enough so that this exposure won't totally destroy them and take away all their good work. I get a lot of people that ask me, well, Michelle, I want to sell more. I want to do more. I want to be read more. And I tell them, you know, sometimes you got to learn how to get on the path to opening your magic door. And this is when we talk about the magic door, this is what we talk about. We talk about being willing to be quiet and silent and move in silence for years without anybody giving you feedback that you're doing well. Remember the law of Dharma says that we've taken this uh, this manifestation in physical form to fulfill a purpose and the law of detachment that says uncertainty is essential and it's your path to freedom. You've got to be able to navigate and, and know that you know that if you keep going, you're going to land on what's right for you. And And when you keep going and landing on what's right for you, doors that you didn't even know were available will open to you because you become that hummingbird that is able to get above the frequency of all the noise below. Because in the higher levels, there are more opportunities because there's less people that are able and willing to operate at that level. Yes, more is required of you. That's why you got to spend the time to to get in and, and, and chip away at that stuff that would bring you back down to the ground. That's why you've got to be able to get lighter and move silently and, and uh, be able to sustain yourself in, in the air and in the tough times and in the showing up. And that's when you start to realize that yesterday you were clever, so you wanted to change the world. But today you're wise, and so you learn to change yourself because when you change yourself, you change your world. You change the world. You get to be in a place where your future is meeting you with doors and portals that you never knew existed. But because you can now work in that space and you can now work in a way where it won't destroy you to go through that door, it opens up for you. So I want you to understand that there are doors waiting for you 
that are only for you. Only you can walk through them. Nobody can steal that opportunity from you. No one can steal um, what's on the other side of that door for you. But it is up to you to do the work, to understand that there are laws that will help propel you if you just but understand them and understand that this requires the the finesse of the infinite game to extend and play for as long as possible to get done what it is that you need to get done so that you can have what it is that you want to have. So, yeah, my time is up. I thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spivey, your practical priestess of wisdom with another podcast of Wisdom Smack. Don't forget to check the show notes. And yes, we do this daily. So guess what? I am going to see you tomorrow. Go open some magic doors. Bye. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.